0: Welcome back to the podcast uh, right out of the gate. First thing I want to do is I want to say a big thank you to Blake Huffine and Movement Church for helping us get set up with a sweet new microphone set up. And so I really appreciate that and uh, even more so appreciate all that uh, Blake is doing for the kingdom of God. And so uh, very much appreciate that. I also want to say, uh, make sure that you go to JimRichman.net uh, to our website. Uh, you're going to find information there about worldview. You're going to find information. Uh, information about parenting you're going to find information about church planting and disciple making the blog is is put up on a regular basis uh, when you go on the website make sure that when it asks you for your email address uh, it gives you the option to sign up for one of three or all three uh, email lists so make sure that you sign up for one of those because then when that content comes out you're going to get that right in your inbox right away and as we all know you never know when you're going to get canceled. And that's going to be the only way that you can get the information out. So it's super important that you do that. Now, listen, if you haven't been with us before, our goal is to help leaders create multiplying movements through church planting and disciple making. Very, very important. And so we talk about everything that goes into that. We talk about church structure, finances, creating a healthy church culture, dealing with staff issues, all kinds of things. And of course, we talk about disciple making. That's very, very important. And we believe that that a church plant has to be built on a disciple-making foundation. Churches in the United States need to move from that big launch concept to more of a missionary mindset, we believe, a missionary model. And so we've we've operated in the American church as if lost people are just out there looking for church. And if we can offer a cooler church, then they're going to come to your church. And that is just not true. In our culture, people who are not in church don't feel any compulsion to go to a church any longer. That's not a thing, okay? So really important that we understand that. Now, when we say the big launch model, that just means that we're banking on lots of advertising and hype leading up to a launch day where there has been kind of very little investment, real investment in the community spiritually. Now, you say, but wait a minute, they they not only put out those flyers, but they do block parties and stuff like that. And I get that, and I'm sure a lot of great conversations happen there. But what we're talking about, the opposite of that, is is this concept of more of a missionary model. So think about this. When have you ever seen anybody say, hey, we're sending you as a a missionary to Europe or to Africa or wherever, and and the first thing we want you to do is we want you to put out a ton of flyers, throw a block party, and pick a date to start your church. It doesn't happen. What what do we teach missionaries? We teach missionaries to go in— and incarnate the gospel and live out the gospel where they live work and play and begin to make disciples and out of that when they begin to see that that disciple making process begin to click out of that emerges a gathering right and so that's the difference and i think a lot of people don't understand that a lot of people aren't aren't clear uh, on that and and so so yeah, it's it's so important that that's our foundation that our that our hope is not in being cool or being slick. Most of the time, we're just going to attract bored Christians with that concept. Most of the time, bored Christians are just going to go, "Oh, this church looks cooler than my church. I think I'm I think I'm going to go to that." And that's kind of how that works, unfortunately. Uh, and so many times, uh, you're not really reaching lost straight up lost people with that concept. So so much better to train people to make disciples that make disciples, and out of that, a, a church environment comes out of that. And when that happens, when that foundation has been laid, you already have a reproducing foundation in your church, which is which is just amazing. So our hope is not in being cooler than everybody else. Listen, I, I say this all the time. We live in the 21st century, right? Like, you don't have to try to compete with everything the world's putting out and stuff like that, but, like, you need to do a good job of your Sunday morning service. It needs to be that when it's time in, in the process of someone making a disciple for them to bring somebody to church, that that is a good experience. And that it is an experience that is communicated in a way that they'll understand. Because I keep saying this, 100% of the people we're trying to reach today live in the 21st century. So using 20th century lingo and mindset and things like that it's not going to work like it doesn't make any sense right so if you're going to do it let's do it in the in in a language that people understand and let's do a good job of it but our hope is not in having this amazing amazingly slick environment our hope is 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 in the life-changing power of the gospel of jesus christ as our members incarnate that where they live work and play and begin to share their faith so now listen in episode four we covered the keys to laying a disciple making foundation and I would encourage you to go back and check that episode out. I think it's really important that you go check it out. Let me give you a quick rundown on those five keys, okay? The first one is just the right people. And we'll kind of allude to that again, but but it's just super important that you get the right people in the room, people who really are all in and, and are really ready for this. Uh, the second thing is high accountability. There's got to be an environment. One of the things that sets apart a, a, really a, a training disciple-makers and starting a disciple-making culture and and, and other models is, is the accountability. You think about it. I mean, we're teaching great stuff in our sermons and in our small groups, and it would be really great if people would hear those and go, you know what? We learned today that we should be sharing our faith. Um, we, we, uh, the pastor preached on the great commission. I think I'm just going to go out there and start giving it a try. And if I get stuck, I'm just going to call the pastor and ask him to coach me. That would be amazing. It doesn't happen. Let's just admit that it doesn't happen. It almost never happens that, that, that a step like that comes out of a message or a small group. Now, I think those things are important. I think they lay the foundation for a lot of things, and I think they're important. But it's high accountability that pushes it forward at a really high rate of speed. And so we need that. The third thing is, is disciple-making principles. You have to understand and know what you're trying to get across to these disciple makers. Like, what are the disciple making principles that they can use to make a difference in someone's life? And then the fourth thing is listening to the Holy Spirit, and we're really big on this that that we need to focus on paying attention to where the Holy Spirit is working, how you know how far he's he he's been working in somebody's life, and we need to step into that and we need to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing. And then the fifth thing is coaching. Uh, one of the things that pushes a disciple making culture forward really quickly is when when you're intentional to coach people when you're intentional to to get with them and say hey you had this conversation with this person the other day and um how did that go okay so here's here's maybe how that could go better next time here's the question that i think you should ask next time uh next time what part of your story will you share and i'm telling you that drives things forward really quickly when when people have somebody to coach them and not just teach them a lesson and send them out that coaching makes a huge difference. So um, in this episode, what I want to do is I want to go over the details of what it really looks like to train disciple makers, as opposed to last time we kind of hit the, the, the big picture. This time we want to get into the, the nitty gritty. And I just want to say, this is just how we've done it, okay? Doesn't mean you have to do it this way. Uh, uh, there are other models, and, and, and that's great. Uh, but uh, I think it's helpful to hear some of the specifics of how people's models work so that you will be able to kind of form your own, your own approach. So, uh, like we, like we talked about in episode four, the first thing we do is we pull together a small group of people who are walking with the Lord. They're missional and they're passionate about having spiritual conversations with other people. Very, very important. Uh, we, we talk in that episode about why it's important to find the right people. And again, this is not a class that you just encourage a whole bunch of people to sign up for. And, and you hope they'll stick with it and everybody will just do a great job. This is, you, you, this is a high accountability environment. And so if you have a whole bunch of people who don't want to be accountable and don't want to take these steps, they're just going to drag everything down. So, so you want to make sure you've got the right people. Um, so the question, the million dollar question is, is what do you do when you get that small group of people together? And that's a question we get asked a lot. And so here we go. The first thing is we meet with them every other week for a fall semester and a spring semester and the reason that we meet with them so that's about seven weeks in the fall and about 10 weeks in the spring and the reason that we meet with them every other week uh, there's a couple reasons first of all it gives people time to do the things that we're going to hold them accountable for and that's two things especially that's number one uh, we're holding them accountable for having a spiritual conversation sometimes you don't get to have a spiritual conversation in a one week period of time so two weeks is nice to be able to have uh, to do that And the second thing is we're going to hold them accountable to read what we've asked them to read. Now, there may be other things. Some weeks we're going to say, hey, we want you to come back with your hundred word God story written out and that kind of thing. So, again, it gives them time for the things that we're going to hold them accountable for. The other reason that I think it's really handy is because it also is a nice rhythm uh, when they begin to disciple somebody. So when they've moved just from having spiritual conversations to actually discipling another person, they can meet on that off week and it's not like they're meeting at the exact same time so you're like well uh, the time slot's not the same what difference does it make but but the coaching rhythm is awesome because what happens is is they meet with the person that they're discipling this week then next week is is the disciple making training group right and so they come in for that and you're able to say how did that go okay so where are you right now with this person? What, what do you think the next step is for that person? How can I help you help them? And so then, they, then they're going to go back the next week when, when they're not uh, coming to the training and they're going to meet with that person again. So it's a nice coaching rhythm as well. And it kind of ends up being uh, maybe not so overwhelming when you only have a once a week thing versus uh, having a every single week uh, the disciple making training group and then every single week or every other week you're trying to meet with somebody to disciple them and now you've got two things basically going on as opposed to basically just one thing per week going on so what does a meeting look like what happens with with these people when you get them together well the first thing we do is we ask them to talk about spiritual conversations that they've had and and we can do that a couple different ways if you only have four or five people in the group you may just Go around the group and, and talk about the spiritual conversations. Uh, if you have more than that, you want to pair them off or, or put them in groups of two or three, let them tell each other and then come back together in a large group and say, hey, uh, does somebody want to nominate somebody's conversation uh, that they heard? Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's a very, very, very important thing to do. Now, we don't shame anybody for not having a conversation. Uh, there's accountability. We're just asking, right? We're saying, hey, Tell me if you had a conversation. It's okay to show up and say, hey, I didn't have a conversation. Now, if you've got somebody who's gone an entire semester and not had a conversation, that would be a private coaching matter, right? That would be get get together with them and say, hey, I just, I kind of noticed you don't have spiritual conversations with anybody ever. And you know, we're not guilting people about that, but we're just wondering what's going on. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you paying attention to what's going on around you? Are you praying about that in the morning? Uh, so a lot of different things that you could do there, uh, but, but we're not trying to shame anybody because what we don't want is we don't want people running around dropping gospel bombs on people uh, that aren't prepared, the Holy Spirit's not working with those people, well, not, they're not responding to whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in, in their lives, and, you're, and, and they're just you know, going and teeing these people up and, and, and forcing conversations that are awkward and, and maybe even harsh. That's counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish, and so again, we're trying to move at the rate the Holy Spirit's working at the rate that they're responding and not run ahead of that. So, um, but uh, asking at that, asking that at each um, meeting, is is really really helpful. It's good accountability, but it also becomes a coaching opportunity in the large group. So when somebody shares their story, you're going to take that story. You don't take all of them; just maybe one or two a, a, a night. And you're going to say, "Hey, um, listen, I, uh, tell me more about that. Like, what, what questions did you ask at that point? Was there a part of your story that you could have shared?" Or maybe, maybe you'll be able to pull a principle out and say, oh, you know what, Like, uh, it sounded like the conversation went really well till you said, hey, you should come to my church. And they'll say, yeah, 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 that was that was kind of where things got weird. And then you're able to say, hey, that's one of our principles, right? Don't go church too quickly. Like, don't invite somebody to church too quickly. Stay on the spiritual topic. There will be a time for, for, hey, you should come to my church to be a part of your disciple-making process. But a lot of people have, have some real... Uh, struggles with church, but they don't mind talking about their spiritual walk with Jesus. And so that's something, uh, you know, that's a, that's a moment to coach uh, there. Now, sometimes we don't even get on to the next thing uh, in, 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 in the evening because we do so much coaching in the moment, but, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we do get on to those other things as well. And so, uh, so we share those spiritual conversations and we coach from those stories uh, but we also read a book every single semester and we discuss it. And again, this is another accountability issue, right? Everyone should should keep up with the reading, uh, take the time to talk through the principles in the book and, and, and to, to get those integrated uh, into their lives. We have several books that we recommend for fall semester, spring semester, and even the summer when you send them out. Here's a great book for you to read to to kind of figure out how to integrate this where you live, work, and play throughout the summer. Uh, so it's, it's it's really, really, really important that, uh, that 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 they're looking at those books together, and we like I said, we've got several books that really go along well with this mentality. So the other thing we do when we meet every single time is is we go over a disciple making principle. You could call it a lesson, and and it may be how to ask uh, good questions to to pull out what's going on in a person's heart. It might be how to tell your God story effectively to somebody who doesn't have any churchy lingo or any biblical frame of reference. It might be how to present the gospel. Or help someone identify where they really stand with God Uh, and we've got about 16 weeks of content that that we share and uh, again we're gonna constantly refer back to those principles as we coach every single night as well now one of the main goals of the group is to detox people from their traditional programmatic ways of thinking when it comes to evangelism and and disciple making now, for instance, one of the things that we go over is the idea that evangelism and disciple making are separate processes. A lot of people think, well, there's evangelism and then there's disciple making or discipleship. And and Jesus just said go and make disciples. And so we don't want people to see it that way. We want that seamless process of we're not you're not looking for an evangelist to lead somebody to Christ and all you care about is deepening somebody. So that's when we want to bring you in. No, like you, you're going to lead that person to Christ and then you're going to continue to walk with that person till you're baptizing them and, and teaching them all the things that, that Christ has taught and then they are actually leading somebody to Christ. And so it is one big process. Uh, and, and so that's just one, of the, one example of the things that we're trying to detox people from. The goal of this group is that disciple makers will begin to have deep spiritual conversations with somebody to the point that they're leading that person to Christ and continuing to walk with them and disciple that person. So you've got the the group that you're training them to do that in. They're out having conversations. They start meeting with somebody that that is just become passionate about the Lord. They put their faith in the Lord, and this person continues to walk with them. Now, what happens is, is in the process, you're also going to look at that person you're discipling and you're going to say, hey, who are you having spiritual conversations with? And, and so it actually could end up forming a little group because then they may say, I've been having conversations with this person. Can I invite them to our, to our little group when we, when we talk? And, and so as you kind of get get in this niche where you maybe get into a, a, a sports team that, that you hang out on or you get into, uh, you know, the break room at work and, and more and more people are starting to get interested or uh, maybe a club that you're a part of or, or you know, whatever, like, like all of a sudden disciples start getting made in this oikos and people start hanging out together. And sometimes that's the, the formation of a church right there. Uh, and so that's... That's one of the things that, that, that we're shooting for is that disciples would begin to disciple someone else and they would begin to disciple someone, uh, someone else and they would start bringing those people in on those disciple-making meetings that they're having. So one of the questions that we have a lot is that once disciple-makers in my group start leading people to the Lord and regularly meeting with them, do, do those people need to come back and attend the group? And see, this is where we're programmatic, right? We're always thinking, how can I grow this disciple-making training that I'm doing, right? And so if somebody leads somebody to the Lord, we look at them and we say, well, you need to get them in here with us. But that's not the goal. The goal is to make disciples. And so what happens is, is when this person leaves your training and they go out and they lead somebody to Christ and they continue to disciple them, part of that discipling process is going to be them pouring these disciple-making principles into that person. And so they're going to be training them. How, how can you reach other people? How can you tell your hundred word God story? How can you share a piece of, 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 of your testimony in that scenario and, and coaching them? So they're going to be teaching them the principles and coaching them along the way. Uh, and so uh, you, they may not need, need to ever come to a disciple making training group at, at church. I tend to think of the disciple making training group at church as something that is more of a detox, Uh, you know, more of a, hey, this isn't, this isn't how you should think about this. This is a different approach that you should take. Uh, You need to forget what you knew in the past, and you start listening to the Holy Spirit, and asking good questions, and sharing your testimony, and yeah, and so, like, it's, it's very detox kind of oriented, and so because of that, I think, I think that really, it's not, it's not that important that, that that a person who is a brand new Christian who doesn't have anything to detox from because they're not in a church, for them to come back into to the meeting necessarily. Now, if they start coming to church with that person, yeah, my, you might just throw them into the training because... They're excited about Jesus, and they're missional, and, and, and it'll go along really well with what the person that is discipling them is doing. So it, it could be. Some people say, well, once we make that first, those first disciple makers, and we send them out, and they start making disciples, and they're training those people to make disciples, do we even need the group anymore? And the answer would be, yeah, probably you will always need a group, because there's always new people. There's always uh, people who are starting to wake up spiritually and now all of a sudden they're ready to be detoxed and to become very missional and start making disciples, and they weren't five years ago. So you're probably always going to need, uh, need that group. Another question we get a lot is, what curriculum do you use? And we do not have a set curriculum. We have been fortunate enough to be connected to the Ignite Discipleship Network, and I, c- I cannot recommend that highly enough that you get involved with that. Uh, you can find that exact website, Ignite Discipleship. But through the years, we've pulled together a lot of their teaching and created the lessons that we use. And every one of our campuses uses a little bit different version uh, of that. And, and so, you know, they're not exactly the same, but generally the same basic concepts. Uh, there are times that, that uh, we have so many great coaching conversations off of, off of the spiritual conversations that people had that we don't get to the lesson that night. Uh, and again, that's just kind of moving at the rate of how the Holy Spirit's working. Like it's not that important that you get a lesson done if somebody is having an amazing conversations and needs a, a, a lot of coaching about how to take it to the next level. We train our disciple makers to share just-in-time information with people that they're discipling instead of a set curriculum. So in other words, they don't just sit down and go, "Okay, well, I just led you to the Lord," which you know, a lot of times in the past, what people are taught is lead somebody to the Lord with a canned presentation. Okay, so. You know, so I led you to the Lord. We don't train that way, but uh, and now I'm going to disciple you with a canned curriculum. So um, let's see here. Lesson one is assurance of salvation. Well, it could be that the person that you lead to the Lord is just like, man, God loves me, and Jesus died for me, and He gave me a free gift, and I, you know, I know I'm not perfect, but I don't even it doesn't even occur to me that I need to worry about my salvation. It might be three years before that question pops into their head, but the question they're asking today is. I have a relationship with God Almighty and I don't know how to talk to him. I don't know how to pray. So at that point what you're going to do is you're going to like bring some passages and you're going to say here's some things I think you should look at. I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm going to get you in scripture and then you're going to go look at it. I'm going to go look at it. We're going to come back together and talk about that. And so it's just in time. It's what what is God we'll ask questions like what is God doing in in your life right now? What do you think the next step is for you spiritually? What are you curious about right now? So these are the kind of questions that we're going to ask uh, to see w- what is it that they're, that they're wondering about? What is it that God has been sparking their heart about? And that's where we're going to spend our time as opposed to just taking them to a workbook and then declaring that they are discipled. One, one last key for us is that discipling someone is not just about helping them know uh, Jesus better uh, or in a, in a more deep way uh, it, it is about them knowing Jesus better, but, but I mean more about Jesus, more depth, uh, as we say, uh, because, because they have more knowledge. And so uh, it's about quickly moving them to the point that they are reproducing their faith in other people. We believe that when a person starts pouring into other people, they're going to grow. They're going to dig in Scripture like they never have before because all of a sudden they're going to be desperate for it. And so let's just be honest for a second. Once you've been a Christian for five years— You've read through the book of Philippians eight times. I understand every time you read it, God might show you a little something that you hadn't thought about or, you know, that kind of thing. But but after about eight times, it says what it says. And yes, you can take it to the next level and you can go to seminary and you can learn all the Hebrew words and all the Greek words. But eventually, like, it's just kind of like, yeah, this is what it says. Right. And and, and so but you know what really helps people grow? And I always say unlimited spiritual growth comes from pouring into the lives of other people. When you begin to pour into somebody else, all of a sudden what happens like like people begin to ask you questions you've never thought about. And you're like, "Oh my goodness, I I have never considered that. I I don't I don't know like I, I I don't know how to answer that. I got a meeting with this person on Tuesday and I have no idea what I'm going to say." That you know, this is God's view on this. And so all of a sudden you're diving into scripture in ways that you never have. Before and so it's just interesting that that we can get bored. We can start looking for a church that teaches a little deeper. You know, all those kind of things happen constantly with Christians because we don't just start pouring into the lives of somebody else. Now, one one other thing I'll say about the schedule, the every other week schedule, is first of all, I found the middle of the week is very helpful because nobody is just accidentally out of town in the middle of the week. So if they can commit to a Wednesday night because they know they have Tuesday night, Thursday night ball games or whatever, like they can usually stick to that. Uh, and then the second thing I want to say is get your schedule out ahead of time and say here are the dates you're committing to and work around Thanksgiving, fall break, spring break, Valentine's Day if it falls in, you know, on the day that you meet. You know, work around those so that you're not putting people in a bad position where right out of the gate they're like, well, I can't meet on those days. And so, yeah, work around those. So that's that's kind of an overview of our system you're going to uh, uh, find in episode 16 that we go into ways uh, to drive this mentality through every part of your church. Uh, even though you only have a few people in the group, right? A lot, we get that question a lot. People are like, well, you only have a few people in the group. How is this going to like take over your church? Well, there's a lot of ways that you can begin to emphasize these principles all throughout your church so that by the time people come to the group, a lot of times they find they know a whole lot more of these principles than they thought they did already. And so that, that episode will help you fit More pieces of the puzzle together, and we're always looking for for ways to improve what we're doing. We've tweaked it through the years. Uh, If we can help you, let us know. Several of our staff members coach churches on the on this issue of disciple making. And you may say, "Well, but from what I just heard of your system, I don't like your system." That's okay. We we can coach you on the system that you decide to come up with as well. And so we would love to help as always if you appreciate the content like subscribe share, comment uh, we'd love to hear your comments about how you structure your disciple making training as well uh, but uh, as uh, you know we would love it if you get, help us get the word out about what we're doing through ignite movements Thanks for joining us.